The other thing has been for me to really lean into my faith even more um, in the midst of uncertainty because uncertainty is inherently uncomfortable for us as human beings. We want security, we want to know exactly what's going to happen and we want to be able to control it. How do you think COVID-19 is affecting the mental health of people throughout our country? How is it affecting Canadians? Today, we are going to address that question with three professional clinical counselors. First of all, joining us in this special discussion are Ruth and Elvis Bajabi, who are the co-founders of Elpizo Counseling Services in the Greater Toronto Area. So welcome Ruth and Elvis, and thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. Thank, thank you. you for having us too. We also feel so very honored to be able to have Nina Lim, who is a registered clinical counselor in British Columbia at the Langley Youth and Family Services. Welcome Nina. Thank you for having me. We are so looking forward to talking to you all about the realities of this pandemic in affecting mental health, working in the counseling profession and how your faith helps you personally to face this crisis. Let's begin with a word of prayer and then we'll dive straight into our questions. Ruth, can we ask you to pray for us, please? Sure, let us pray. Father God, it is amazing that we can come together like this using technology to give comfort to those that are suffering at this time one way or the other. We are so thankful that we have you as God, that we can reach out to, that we can talk to, that we have hope in, that we have trust in, that we believe that though things may be falling apart around us, you are still the rock of all ages. You stand firm, protecting and guiding us. Mm -hmm. Father, we ask that you'll join us in these discussions today, that whatever we say may be informed and may be directed by you. Mm -hmm. And I pray, dear Lord, that somebody out there who's listening to this may find comfort, find healing, and find um, restoration one way or the other. Mm -hmm. We thank you, dear God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ruth. So I just want to be clear on these terms. Um, when we talk about mental health, it has been said that the only security for any soul is right thinking. And the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. So from my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but mental health is all about how we think. Uh, it's how we feel and how we behave. Um, it's really about wellness and not just the absence of, of illness. Um, Ruth, am I on track? Yes, absolutely. Um, we say physical illness. We know that that means that something's wrong with us physically. Uh, mental illness means something wrong with us mentally. Um, yes. And so mental well-being encompasses physical emotional, psychological, spiritual. mental, spiritual, everything um, holistically um, yes. that makes us function well on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. So when we have this discussion, we're just very crystal clear, and I know that you as therapists understand this, but for our listeners that 
everything that's being shared here is absolutely, uh, it's, we're not going to share something that is confidential, that it's something that is just general. Um, and, and if there's anything that's specific, you already have permission to share that, obviously. So just want to yeah. make those ground rules clear. Mm -hmm. okay. so. so Nina, I want to begin by asking you, what are some of the primary mental health challenges specific to COVID-19 that your clients are presenting at this time? Yeah, so I think um, it's been a wide variety of experiences for people. Um, some people are not feeling a huge difference in the way that they're coping. And then um, I'm finding that the responses tend to be either very stressed out and anxious um, and almost more of, of like an angst because mm -hmm. of all the uncertainty um, mm -hmm. of what's going to happen, what is happening, how accurate is information, it's always changing, all those things. And then I think on the other side, I, I'm noticing quite a few people experiencing a lot of numbness, um, a lot of just so worn out, um, not feeling anything anymore. So kind of on the spectrum, those two things generally, I would say. And I think there's other things um, in terms of how it's impacting family life and home life for people. So lots and lots of families are staying home, parents are working from home. Um, which is a new dynamic, right? They're trying to figure out how to support their children um, being home, support their children missing school in online education, and also being parents, working from home, all those things. So we've been noticing that um, a lot of kids are kind of using screens a, a lot more mm -hmm. um, these days. So we, we have our concerns about how that's going to play out and the impact it's going to have in the coming months and years. Mm -hmm. So what kind of, what type of problems are, is associated with that, Nina, with the long periods of screen time? Yeah, so there's quite a lot of research about um, the impact of screens, especially on younger children um, as their brain is developing. There's a lot of research of screen time being associated with um, pro-harming development, just even brain development, impacting um, children's ability to be able to um, connect with others socially, impacting sleep, um, impacting emotion regulation, just a whole wide host of, of problems that go along with it, really. Mm -hmm. Is, is uh, this watching things or looking at screens a lot, is it addictive? Um, how does it help them with their yeah. schoolwork at all, or does it affect their schoolwork? Certainly. So um, screens are shown to be extremely addictive, and I think that that goes for both adults and children. Mm -hmm. um, and it has a huge impact on attention span, which I think is our primary concern as um, children are getting very high levels of screen time right now, um, as parents are trying to juggle working from home and keeping their kids occupied and kids actually having to be online for school. Um, so yeah, we have some concerns about what is that going to look like for attention span in general. Mm -hmm. I always, uh, Renee and I always, uh, as when we have our children growing up, whenever they were quiet, we knew they were probably getting into trouble. So um, I always mm -hmm. say that a, a, a noisy child is a good child because right. they're exploring the world. And uh, so when they're kind of sitting there 
you know, just quiet like that, it's, it's not always the best thing. I mean, it seems like it's good for us because we're getting our work done, but something's happening to them. So how can we help them to set boundaries? Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to consider, um, especially because, like I said, children have uh, developing minds and they do not have the same impulse control that adults do, mm. um, which means that it's up to parents to be able to set boundaries for them. Mm-hmm. So I think the starting place is for parents to be able to monitor their own screen time. And I think that's a very hard thing for most adults is to be able to set limits for themselves. Um, If a parent has a hard time doing that, it's going to be very difficult imposing those boundaries on a child. Um, Children will see that being modeled to them and that the words don't match up. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the first places to start is um, being able to, as adults, monitor our own usage and then start to set limits for children. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, mm. that's a big thing. I mean, asking a, a parent to do that is, <laughs> yeah, they have to do that first. Yes. So what are some tools uh, that you would give them to battle these issues? Yeah. So I think um, a big part of it has been really doing a lot of normalizing, right? That okay. this is something we are all going through and this is really new for most of us. Almost everyone has not been part of the Spanish flu or has not lived through that. So yeah. this is something completely new. We're, we're all trying to navigate it at every level, right? And um, when we deal with new things, it is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to figure it out the best way we can. So there is going to be very uncomfortable feelings associated, very difficult times, and that's okay. So I think the first part is normalizing The second part is really giving people, helping them to have permission for themselves to feel, um, to feel whatever it is that their responses are, their reactions are, that it's okay, it's valid, um, it makes a lot of sense given our situation, um, so that people can can give themselves um, space to move from those emotions. The more that we try to um, make ourselves feel better or numb emotions, the, the bigger and louder they get the more we can allow ourselves to actually feel them, mm-hmm. they can move on much quicker. So what type of things do people use to numb the emotions? Like to, to kind of shortcut it, to make it go away quickly? Yeah, so anything that becomes like distractions that don't help us process, but help us to just not feel. So it could be things like food. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be things like TV. It could be social media. Um, it could be even work. Um, anything to help us forget what we're feeling and doesn't uh, allow us to process. Okay. So we want to escape. Yes, absolutely. And, and instead of escaping, you're saying, let's talk about it. Let's face it. Let's normalize it. Let's work through this because absolutely. none of us have been through this before. Mm-hmm. And so this is a new normal. This is how do we establish new routines? How do we deal with this in a healthy way so that yeah. we don't actually make ourselves, um, you know, uh, dysfunctional <laughs> or I, I think that word dysfunctional and that means D Y S in Latin means, um, to what pain. pain. It means the word pain. It doesn't mean not. So most people think dysfunctional means to not function, but dysfunctional means to function in pain. Yeah. So when people are functioning in pain, what do they want? They want the pain to go away. Right. And so we numb it or, you know, by eating, by working, by doing something to distract ourselves instead of 
confronting it. Mm -hmm. um, so Ruth and Elvis, um, I want to ask you, what are, what are the good and the bad that you see coming out of this lockdown in terms of family, in terms of mental health in general? Um, in terms of good, I think what has been good in, in most, in some cases, is the togetherness, the yeah. opportunity to spend time together um, for families who, or for, even for children, um, having their parents around more so than not, because now we're taking away um, time of travel, time to travel to work, being at work, traveling back, sitting in traffic, or time people come home, it's pretty late. So the time that they get to spend with children has been shortened. That's been taken away. Um, the, the, the fact that people have time together, I mean, for us, one thing that's been really good for us is spending time together in devotion. We have adult children, and so they've left home and they've come back, and now we're able to sit down once a day to have devotion Actually, each person take it in turns, you know, to lead out in worship and talk about some of their feelings and some of their fears, um, playing together, eating together, um, mm -hmm. learning new things together. Those are some of the, the good things that, that's happening. And just, just the mere fact that um, for some people, it's fortunate that maybe they have all the members of their family under one roof. Mm. And so that definitely takes away some of the fears and the anxieties, not knowing what's happening to their family member. Um, but if everybody's under one roof, they know that they're together um, and they're not, you know, in danger of some sort. Uh, in terms of the flip side, Elvis, you want to? Yes, of course. You know, in terms of the flip side, what is happening um, currently is that um, it's also a breeding grounds for, you know, domestic violence. Uh -huh. And also people that are in abusive relationship. Um, because now, um, imagine everyone staying home, so they lock up the, the door and sometimes yeah. they confiscate their cell phones and their medium of, you know, communicating with family and friends and that people really don't know what is really going on in different homes. Yeah. And, and also some of the other challenging um, this that also comes in it is um, people that have not been able to, you know, been able to communicate effectively and are not able to relate to each other and they use work to self-medicate some of the issues. So now they are not able to brush it under the carpet because guess what? They find themselves within close, um, close proximity and that they are seeing each other faces every single day. So the notion of even saying hello, they're not able to do that. And, the, you know, the fact that they have to cross paths and live in a one-bedroom apartment, or maybe they are in a single home that, you know, um, it is challenging, even communication-wise. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the flip side of it has really intensified some of the, you know, building up volcano that had been taking place in the past few months or years. And now the last rock came like a tsunami and bang, it exploded like a volcano. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to highlight that there are very vulnerable populations of people who are experiencing 
isolation in a very different way. And in particular, children, there, we know that there are a lot of children who, for whom school is their safe place. This is where they um, are able to get away from certain things at home and mm-hmm. they're flying under the radar. We may not know who they are, but we know that they exist. Yes. Um, and I know social workers and we as clinicians, we do our very best to identify um, the children that are at risk. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty that fall through the cracks. And this is an especially hard time for them because their safe place is, isn't there right now. Yes. So I think that's something for us to be really cognizant of and our social responsibility that if we hear something, if we know something, if we uh, notice anything, that we have to say something. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're saying their safe place was school and now they're, they're not able to go to school. Um, and you're also saying that this, this is a problem that's already existed. But yes. now that they're locked down, they're stuck at home, it's actually compounded the problem. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 so, I mean, if we have, um, you know, um, um, viewers in there that have tuned in and they are listening, we would encourage that if you have your, um, your children that are friends with vulnerable, you know, children, and they um, are noticing some of the signs, um, um, you know, be um, the voice for the voiceless. Yeah. Um, this is where you have to listen to your own children, talk to you about their children, and, to, and you know about their friends. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sweetheart, and and to, for you to reach out for help on behalf of those vulnerable. Mm. So, um, Nina, with the constant influx of Uh bad news going around the coronavirus, um, this can obviously raise levels of anxiety. And so how can people stay well informed, but at the same time protect their mental health as they're getting all this influx of information? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the way I kind of think through this is that uh, extremes in any direction are not always going to be helpful or healthy. So um, keeping our head in the sand and and pretending like nothing's happening isn't going to be the most helpful response. Mm -hmm. And yet also trying to consume everything um, and every piece of information that's out there is going to be really overwhelming and and probably anxiety provoking as well. Mm -hmm. So what I think is important for us to realize is that everyone has different capacities Mm -hmm. and um, everyone responds differently. So a lot of it isn't going to be about hard and fast rules of how much time you should spend or, or anything like that. It has to be people knowing themselves and knowing what their capacities are. And it changes from day to day based on what's going on in, in their life, based mm-hmm. on what their mood is that day or how the weather is even. Um, so knowing what can we handle today? What can I, what can I handle? Um, is today a day where I just need to take a break from all of this? Mm-hmm and just not check my phone and not check um, social media or the news? Or is today's a time where I need to, to get a little bit more informed and, and have like healthy choices around that? Mm-hmm. So knowing our capacity, I would say, is probably one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. 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 So um, Ruth and Elvis, I want to ask you this question. How can people support their friends or family members mm-hmm. whose mental health is suffering because of this pandemic? I've, you know, I think that um, one way that people can be supportive is number one, calling them to check up on them. 
Mm. And sometimes in our minds, some people may feel that your physical presence there is what makes a whole difference. But when you FaceTime and people know that, hey, are you okay? I was thinking about you. Is everything okay? And we know our friends, we know our family members very well. So even the tone of voice of how they might respond to you either on the phone or maybe you you have video called them, you, you know how their mood is like. And this is where you put on your listening ears. Mm-hmm. We always say that, you know, um, God gave us two ears and one mouth. We should listen more than we talk. So this is where you utilize your listening ears that when you listen, you hear more. So yeah. it's not about listening to really respond, but like Stephen Covey said, he said that you listen to be understood. So you're listening beyond listening to have a deeper understanding. So if you notice that they are, you know, um, withdrawing, their mood have changed, or maybe um, they are feeling less motivated, then this is where you put on your heart on to say that I am here for you. You are not alone. And if you need any help, I can connect you with your family physician or maybe connecting you with the, you know, a mental health professional, you know, maybe it's a counselor or psychotherapist or a psychologist or psychiatrist to reach out for help. And also our church leaders can also be a support system or maybe yeah. you can reach out and you say that, who do you want me to call for you right now? And it could even be your school teacher. And th- this is where you reach out to all those support systems. Um, people would come swiftly to your aid and we can all work together to support loved ones that are going through a lot of turbulence right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, You are counselors. So how do you manage um, your levels of stress going through this or even burnout? I mean, you are human beings as well. And so although you're a counselor, uh, can you give us some tips on, on how you manage it yourselves and how you can, you know, how do you help yourself, you know, yeah. boost your mental, spiritual health and resiliency during this pandemic? Yeah, so um, for me, a big part of my self-care routine, even outside of all of this that's been happening, has always been exercise. Uh, I lean on that very heavily because it helps me to clear my mind. Um, There's so much research about the impact of exercise on your brain, the impact of it on your mental well-being. Um, So definitely that I continue to do all throughout um, the social isolation. Um, The other thing is also knowing my own capacity and listening to my body when um, it's probably enough for the day and just letting that go. Um, I think a lot of the times, a lot of us have way more time right now, but most of us are not resting more. Um, I think we have a huge pressure to be productive and to get things done, um, not taking into account the high stress that is on our bodies in the last month, right? Mm -hmm. And, And the impact of that. Um, The other thing has been for me to really lean into my faith even more um, in the midst of uncertainty, because uncertainty is inherently uncomfortable for us as human beings. We want security. We want to know exactly what's going to happen, and we want to be able to control it. And it's always um, an exercise of faith to be able to let go of what I can't control 
and like lean more heavily into God who is in control. Um, yeah, I actually have a verse to share along yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I think of this verse, uh, Psalms 91, verse 1, and it says, um, and verse 2 actually, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Mm-hmm. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Mm-hmm. So just kind of reminding us that our shelter, our safety, our security is, um, is in Christ. Yeah. And you lean more heavily to that as, as we face more uncertainty to lean more in that direction has been so helpful for me. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So this is an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, we're sitting still uh, a lot and this sitting still needs to, you know, we need to move. We are isolated. Um, and what about um, Ruth and Elvis? Do you, do you talk to other counselors? we're very mindful that we need to also speak to somebody else to debrief, to mm-hmm. offload um, other than other person. Nina mentioned is, is looking to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for us, we are faith. Uh, we are all faith. And so we do lean strongly on our faith as well mm-hmm. uh, to ensure that, you know, we're grounded firmly. We're not, um, you know, destroyed by, mm-hmm all what we're hearing other than the news, but what we're hearing from our clients, what we're hearing from family members, uh, you know, the many deaths around us, it can be quite overwhelming and get you down. And so like Nina said, if it's time to take a break, you take a break. That's right. And, and, and also I will say this other part of me that I'm, I, I have certified myself and claimed myself to be a professional comedian. So at home and in the community, I am a real comedian. And even sometimes I have my clients in session, I bring, um, you know, laughter into therapy that yeah. is called, you know, yeah. um, you know, therapeutic, you know, laughter that would yeah. really also bring the clients out of the, yeah. the yeah. cells. And that has really worked well um, to the advantage of, our clients so and also i usually would do radio shows for different platforms that i i bring laughter humor into it that people because it creates different mindset it brings the you know the you know chemicals in our brains to flush it in that we said that you, you know what in midst of every pain and every adversities we can also bring laughter out out of it yeah. and one scholar puts it beautiful that in the bible there are 365 fear not so every day i wake up i claim one fear not for myself and my family and my friends i forgot to mention one more thing that i think is very practical and something we might not think of but what i've been very intentional about doing is taking naps if i need to take them yeah. and um i think that like I said before, we are in a really stressful time yeah. and whether or not we ourselves personally feel stressed, um, we are picking up on the stress of those around us yeah. and um, our body responds to that and our body needs to rest. I think about yeah. Elijah, right? When he is fleeing from Jezebel and he sleeps and he takes a nap, right? For a very long time and he gets up and he drinks water and he eats and he sleeps again. And it's that um, 
just a very simple type of replenishing that I think we all need um, as our body speaks to us about that. But yeah, just very practical, not anything (laughs) elaborate, just simple. Oh, it's simple, but it's so necessary because I think sometimes people are so busy, they feel guilty taking a nap and, and now is probably a good time and watching screens and things is not really napping it can create more anxiety for you. So to really nap is to really just rest. And some people probably need that. Mm-hmm. I know there are times when I need that just to, to unwind. Uh, Sabbath is, is, is like that for me mm-hmm. as well, is just to have that time to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned fear though. Um, fear, how does it come into play? Let's just talk a little bit about fear. So when we talk about fear, we're talking about losing, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm, I'm afraid of losing my job, afraid of losing my health or afraid of the unknown um, and all of this is, is going with it. I'm thinking of a Bible verse uh, just to ask you, um, Elvis or Ruth, um, is there a Bible verse that you use with your clients to help them to, to diffuse the bomb of fear? Yes, that's right. I, 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 I have one. When Elisha and the servant... Um, they were at home and um, the servant woke up and saw that the Syrian army had surrounded them. Yeah. He was so fearful because guess what? He was having his breakfast because of that. He was not able to have his breakfast. So he connected <laughs> with Elisha and said that, alas, my master, we are doomed. Death had come upon us. What shall we do? But we're looking at Elisha that was not fearful. Why? Because he, he had the strongest knowledge and he knew that the God of the universe was always there to protect us. So Amina had expressed, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah, yeah. Elisha knew this inside and out. So when he prayed, to God for God to open the eyes of the servant. Not that the servant was blind. The servant was not blind, but Elisha wanted him to see the spiritual realms. Yeah. For us, we are not able to, not everyone is gifted seeing things spiritually. But if we trust and we hope and depend on our creator and know that even though our eyes are not able to see beyond whatever yeah. that we are seeing. Yesterday, our daughter did the devotion, you know, expressing that God is working behind the scene. The, yeah. the nice. scene. You know, we don't see it. Yes. God is working on our behind. behind. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We also, um, in terms of fear, as Christians, as believers, uh, especially those of us who believe in the prophecies, we, we do know um, that these things will come. God hasn't promised us a life without turbulence or troubles or things like that. Um, For us, it's being knowledgeable in the word of God that, you know, sometimes from time past, we've often said um, God is coming or we're in, you know, we're getting to the end times. For me, we are already in the end times because if you take a look around the world right now, right now we're focusing only on COVID, but Earthquakes are still happening. You know, tsunamis are happening. Uh, wars are happening. Locusts, plagues, they're happening all over the world. Slavery, you name it. It's happening at, you know, at a corner of, of, of a world somewhere. But if we have knowledge that this is prophecy coming to pass, 
yeah. then we don't have then we you know we have god we have faith and so we shouldn't be as fearful as people of the world because we know god has told us this will come to pass and so when you have that knowledge sometimes we're fearful um it's because we don't know we're afraid of what might be or what what we do, we're not aware of but we're aware we know that these things will come to pass. And because we know, God has also promised that he will keep us. He will not let things harm us or let things come to us that we're not able to withstand. And so though it is a tragedy that people are dying all around us, a lot of people are dying around us. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, God, maybe this is, God is letting those who need to rest at this time rest. Uh, my time will come when God may say, hey, you can't withstand the next adversity. So, hey, go to sleep so that you can, um, so you won't curse me, and, you know, and die. So I'm, I'm encouraging us believers that let's take hope in the knowledge that we have, knowing that God is always, even when we don't see him, he is right with us in the thick of things. Nina, how can people maintain or even improve the social networks that will help them cope with loneliness in this age of social distancing? And I, I guess social distancing is not really the right word there. Maybe it's physical distancing it's instead of social distancing. Right? Because, so how can people improve the social networks that they, you know, right now in this time? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind is that, like I said before, this is new for all of us. And so we're navigating this new thing, mm-hmm. which means that we're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to try different things. We're going to see how it works, try it on, if it fits or it doesn't fit. So it's kind of right now is like the time that we're trying to be creative and figuring out how to be social in this context, right? Mm-hmm. Without necessarily seeing each other. And so one of the things that comes to mind is um, just this week, I I live in an apartment building and um, one of my neighbors had put out a basket and with some like non-perishable food and some soaps and things like that, just putting something down um, on a paper saying like, take whatever you need. And I just thought that is just such a good way, such a beautiful way to connect with other human beings by helping them to meet their needs or um, being of service. Right. And it's not necessarily that we can be in physical contact, um, but we can find other ways to maintain connection, um, whether that's remotely, like online through Zoom, like we're doing here, um, some sort of act of kindness or service. We gotta be creative now. Our final question I wanted to ask uh, all of you is, um, what mental health related counsel would you give to someone or people who have been diagnosed with COVID-19 or have relatives or close friends who have been diagnosed or even passed away as a result? There's all these different layers and we're talking about different experiences and different people having different responses to different experiences, right? Mm -hmm. But something, um, a thread I think that kind of weaves through all of those things, whether it's somebody we know who's um, gotten ill or somebody has passed away, um, the or or we ourselves are sick. So the common thread is to me one of grief and loss, right? Whether loss isn't just uh, loss of life, loss is loss of job, loss of um, potential, loss of something as simple as 
um, a dream of graduating from high school, right? Just losses all throughout. Um, being able to grieve all of those things, I think is an important step. And recognizing what we would deem like small losses, right, as losses in and of themselves. So right now, for example, children, um, a lot of them are grieving losses that we may not necessarily understand. The loss of having a summer where they hang out with their friends, it may not be happening, right? So just those losses, um, being able, just like we would grieve um, somebody's passing, we, we grieve losses that we're experiencing at all different levels. I think it's really important that um, in addition to everything else is to acknowledge um, one thing that sometimes we don't do very well or sometimes we say hey at least you're alive or at least so and so and in, in making those statements we kind of minimize people's yeah. emotions um, and like as Nina said every emotion is valid at this point because every loss is you know is in perspective my loss your loss you know, is, is really um, how I see things or how we see things. So being able to understand what everybody's going through, mm. validating, acknowledging and validating, mm -hmm. and just helping to normalize or helping to create something else so that it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be a complete loss. Thank you, Ruth. And thank you, Elvis. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Nina. Uh, very, very good input. And we have come to the end of our time, but, but just focusing on the scriptures, what Jesus said, and remember his words where he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that, that is our direction. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you so thank much you. for your time and for joining us today with this panel discussion. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca. Or you can go to IIW Canada YouTube and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.